This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Oswald, and I hope you join me on my quest for knowledge to become a better public land hunter, angler, and forager. Stick with this and who knows, maybe we will learn something together. All right, so I'm sitting here and I am talking to Ben Huffman of... Uh, one cast fishing so ben you want to go ahead and introduce yourself oh sure um thanks for the introduction there um again ben huffman i am the owner founder uh however you want to say it of a uh, one cast fishing um making uh primarily fishing lures that started uh about well i guess as a side business three years ago but i've been doing it full time now just over a year so how did how did all that come about um you know what drove uh your passion for making your own fishing tackle yeah it was uh it, it kind of developed uh it wasn't a real plan it was by accident I, um obviously uh i love fishing bass fishing um i really got into it uh jumped you know straight in at the lake so to speak uh um after i joined the army with fishing and i wanted a hobby um that's something i could do to be connected with fishing when I couldn't be in the water. So whether that was the weather was bad, um, coming home from, you know, putting long hours at work, but coming home, coming home, can't get on the water. Um, so I wanted something to, you know, keep me connected to, um, to, to that passion, that hobby of mine. So I started, uh, making jigs. Um, from there I started catching fish on them, um, friends, family. And so Back in the summer of 18, I think August of 18 is when I opened up a store online and started, uh, you know, marketing through Instagram and, and, and building the brand that way. So that was a side business three years. Uh, and then finally um, decided to get out of the Army last year to, to chase the dream, chase the passion and uh, 
see how far this thing can go. That's pretty cool, man. So I've always wanted, I don't know, maybe one day it'll happen. Not sure, but quit my day job just to pursue something else that, you know, I want to go after a passion project. So it's always awesome to hear from and talk to people that have done something like that. So kind of curious though, I mean, did you always fish? Was it something you started later in life? Uh, How did, how did all that come about? So I have always enjoyed fishing um, since I was a um, kid. I didn't get the opportunity to go a whole lot. Uh, my dad was in Marine Corps, so, you know, he was gone a lot uh, at times. But, I, you know, I remember trips, um, you know, after church, going over to the lake and pond. And uh, my sister would want to go sometimes, and she would look at the, the window and look awful sad. But um, my dad and I would go. She was, she, was, she was a little too young to go. I was only like five or six. And um, I always seemed to outfish him. Now he's a much better hunter than hunter than I am, but I always seem to outfish him. Like I said, I didn't get, we didn't get to go a whole lot, but I spent a few summers back in Missouri. My grandparents had fished a lot more then, and and then finally in the army, I decided I wanted to fish more. So I went to Bass Pro, bought my first boat, and just been fishing ever since. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to ask you, why bass fishing? And is that like your? Uh top priority all the time or uh what what's your favorite fish to go after so so it is it is bass fishing i think ultimately it kind of comes down to really the, the industry and the competition um surrounding it you know growing up when we were fishing it didn't really matter what we were fishing for as long as we were catching um a lot of we did a lot of cat fishing um so it's i guess for whatever reason, I guess it was that tournament driven, you know, seeing the old magazines and all um, that drove me to bass fishing. And of course, it's a big, you know, culture community now yeah. um, in, in the outdoor industry. Watching Bill Dance as a kid and uh, Jimmy Houston, and Roland Martin, <laughs> all those guys, yeah, for sure. All the legends, yep. <laughs> yeah. And I still like watching uh, Roland Martin on uh on YouTube now, he's got a bunch of stuff, a bunch of content that I recently rediscovered, which was pretty cool. And uh, just watching him do it, like on a budget, a lot of the stuff he does is kind of just uh, low budget stuff, which is pretty neat. Um, so, bass fishing, you started doing it, started making your own lures. How how did it start out? Were you making like jigs? Were you making uh, casting your own worms or plastics? What were you? How how did it all begin? Yeah, it started by a. Uh it's all casting um, jigs is, is where it started. Um, I, I love jig fishing, caught a lot of big fish on jigs over the years. And, uh, and as a hobby, it's a real, it's a little cheaper to get into than uh, make it than plastics. Yeah. Um, so that, that's why I went with that. And it was, I guess that's the reason why I went with it initially. Now, now looking back on it, that was a good decision trying to grow a business when you look at that from an industry perspective now, um, um, to go that route. But yeah, I started hand pouring it all. And that's, we, we hand poured for the first, I guess, three years, you know, you know, kind of all the side business time. Are you pouring like lead, aluminum, tin? What, what are you pouring mostly? Yeah. Pouring lead. Um, lead is it's it's a great for fishing application because it, it's so heavy it's so dense um you know some states have um outlawed some use of uh, of lead so they have to use either um the lighter 
um, or less dense metals. So I think tin is an option, a lot of bismuth, but that's just so much more expensive or, or tungsten, uh, which is a whole another process involved trying to trying to uh, manufacture those. Yeah, you almost need a crucible to <laughs> melt the tungsten to get what you need, right? Yeah, so they, they don't even melt it. Um, for my understand how it's made is um, they take tungsten powder because tungsten, I think it melts like it's several thousand degrees. Like it would melt most other metals if it was that, that hard. So they take tungsten powder and put 3% of some other metal in there, tin or whatever they want. And, and basically melt that other metal and compress it in a mold. So it kind of fuses that tungsten powder together. So that's why you see uh, 97% tungsten or 98% tungsten, because that's how it's made. But that, that involves a lot of expensive big presses and uh, environmental regulations that uh, <laughs> other countries other countries who make them uh, don't, don't have to worry about. So let's go into that a little bit, because I find it interesting. Uh, I, I've seen some of your stuff. I th- believe I've seen some of your TikToks. And uh, one of the things you always say is uh, talk about you know, American made versus stuff made in other countries. Where's your stuff come from? You know? So, uh, can you kind of talk about that a little bit and kind of, you know, the motivation one behind that and two, uh, you know, how, how it's, uh, sourced and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so the, so the motivation of just having American made is I think, um, bass fishing is really in an American industry. Of course it's spread now throughout the globe, you know, the big bass, fishing communities in, in Japan, Korea, South Africa, places. But um, it's really an, an American industry. So having a product for anglers uh, made in America was important. Um, now, when it comes to the business side, uh, the overwhelming majority of our tackle is not. And even in for the guys of us who, who are, a lot of our components are made overseas. Um, there's just... <laughs> Um, uh, skirts, for instance, the skirts on our jigs. Right, there's only two countries in the world that really make those. I take that back. Uh, I will say I think Z-Man uh, does make their own here in the states um, for their own products, which is awesome. Um, but for a lot of us, they get you know, unfortunately, a lot of the products are overseas. But at least we bring it here and we manufacture here. Yeah. So it's poured and cast here and developed here. So doing our doing the as much as we can. No, that's cool. So one of the other things that I thought was really neat that you uh, you always do, and I don't know if it was like originated, you did it on TikTok or if it was on Instagram, um, but uh, Best Bass Fishing Lake, all 50 states. Yeah, that, um, that originated on TikTok initially. Um, and that was that was probably back late summer of 2020, so a year and a half ago. Um, I was like, so, you know, I had seen, you know, some other videos, people doing top tens of other things, um, or the best beach or something or mountain or state park in, in this state. So it's like, how can I apply this to bass fishing? So, um, I started that series. I think the first one was either Texas or Florida and then, and then it went down. Um, it's interesting after uh, I did that consistently for probably a month or two. And then, and then a lot of other creators picked it up, you know, started doing their own, um, which is great um, to see other people's thoughts. And then I took a long break and then I picked it back up and then finished it out uh, over the last, 
I finished it out late last year. And so it was probably like nine months after that break that I finished it out. So it was definitely a fun series. So out of all those states, uh, how many, how many of them have you fished those lakes? Just kind of curious. Very few. <laughs> very few. <laughs> uh, unfortunately. And so, so the way I kind of I chose the, the lakes, and I loved it because the conversation involved, uh, everyone has their own opinion. Um, it, it, a lot of it comes down to personal preference. Um, so for so a lot of the states that I have fished, bodies of waters like North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, Missouri, I kind of had an idea in my head, which uh, was my favorite. Um, for the other states, it was it was research on um, with fish populations, looking at tournament weights, uh, how the pros did their uh, bucket list lakes type of thing. So um, I threw all those in there, and it's ultimately my list. So I kind of chose the best <laughs> one was the one that uh, I would want to fish uh, if I was going to that state. So. That's kind of how the list was developed. So out of all those states and lakes, if you could pick a couple of them, what would they be to fish if you haven't fished them yet? A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. A mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors, every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Oh, man, so many. <laughs> I get, uh, um, probably be, definitely one of the Tennessee River Lakes, uh, probably Gunnersville. Um, it used to be Kentucky Lake years ago, but they've had um, – the fish has got to rebound a little bit better after a few years. They've had a few bad years. So probably Gunnersville. Um, you go out to uh, uh, Toho, the Toho uh, lakes just in Florida. Uh, that's the one chain I haven't really fished. Um, and then probably, probably, probably Sam Rayburn, Lake Fork, or I guess – OHIV is actually probably the one I would choose now. Um, after I did that video from Texas, which I think was the very first or second one, OHIV's had so many 12 and 14 pound bass caught over the last 18 months that I'd probably have to add that one on the list because there's a huge possibility of landing a fish of a lifetime there. So my dad's got a place out in Lake Fork, and uh, I guess right now the water level. They had to do something. I don't know if they had to drain the lake or it's low because of some dam or something. But I guess the water level is like three foot. He showed me a picture of his dock and it's super, super low. So uh, he says it's actually good because it concentrates the fish. So it's easier to get on them. But at the same time, I mean, over long term, that's not good for the fish. But uh, so you could definitely yeah, yeah. kind of concentrate on them and get on them easier right now. Yeah, the um, Major League Fishing had their tournament out there last weekend or uh, at Lake Fork, and um, it, it was concentrating. But with all that standing timber out there, like this, they can be anywhere out there. So yeah. they they had they had they had some um, good days out there, and I think some it got colder and colder, so it got tougher, you know, as it went along. But uh, there's also some big fish caught that that lake definitely produces. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, you know what's crazy is I've never even fished at 
I've never even fished Lake Fork. <laughs> it is. You got to fish it if you just. There's a lot of double digit bass come out of that lake. Yeah, I've seen pictures of them too. So I mean, <laughs> I know they're out there. I just never, never made time. Um, so I'm kind of curious though. Like a lot of times you do like reviews of products and stuff like that. Is that from personal interest or just kind of trying to want to want to show people? you know, what you can get, or I've even seen some stuff that is, uh, like knockoff, you know, that you had to buy it through a site in Japan or something like that. And you get it where it doesn't have the same label on How did all that even come about or start? Yeah. The, the reviews, a lot of that stemmed, I guess the very first thing I did for one guy's fish, I started a YouTube channel, like 2017. So I, I made a few videos here and there. That's, that's where I came up with the name of one cast fishing and and um like you know the video wise couldn't be consistent you know with the army and all but that's what i originally started and so in some of those i would do reviews of, of, of reels rods etc and uh, i like doing that because i just like providing you know, my 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 input on it um maybe someone thinks like i think and they can help them make a decision or um regarding a product um so as for your so when you're talking about buying through another side in japan so um products like uh, shimano daiwa mega bass uh, they're all japanese companies a lot of their reels uh, you can they make the same model practically and sold in two different countries and you can buy it from japan and have it shipped here for a lot cheaper um, um depending on the model sometimes a few hundred bucks um the real difference is that your box comes, it's in Japanese and not English uh, for the most part. There's some slight differences, like the spool might be slightly smaller, holds like 10 yes, less um, yards of line. Um, and I believe you don't have the warranty here if you do that. Um, otherwise, it's um, a lot cheaper way to uh, sometimes buy almost the same product. So... I'm kind of curious. So how did you figure that out? Is it something like you discovered on forums and people started talking about it? I, I just, I'm kind of curious because I never would have thought to order something from a Japanese website, you know, and uh, order yeah, yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, that was probably, probably when I was really starting to research Shimano's and, and looking at the differences a few years back, I was reading on probably Shimano forum, maybe a Facebook page or something. And I saw that. Um, the same thing applies for tungsten. You can buy, uh, tungsten a lot cheaper straight from the source. Um, um, because again, it's all made overseas or the overwhelming majority of it is made overseas. Um, I, you know, found out by just Googling, Googling online in Alibaba, you I mean, you can buy it from Alibaba and, and, uh, there's a lot of actually probably, I think some eBay stores are, that's what they're doing. Um, so I was just searching on the internet, trying to find a cheaper price on tungsten. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's pretty cool though. I, I I would have never never thought of that, and I would end up uh, paying paying the full price on something if I really wanted it. I guess. Um, well, but, well, I do a lot. I do a lot still, anyways, because I only need one or two, and I don't want to buy that many in bulk. Or oh, I'm in the the, the aisle of fishing. I was like, oh, I need a, you know, I need an extra one of these. So yeah, uh, I usually end up doing that. So what's uh, your favorite when, when you're actually 
you know, fishing to, is it dependent upon like, you know, season or, or cycle of the fish as far as, you know, spawn, post-spawn, all that kind of stuff that you're using different rigs. Um, and you know, do you want, obviously, you know, like later in the summer or something like that, when you got a bunch of frogs and mice and stuff like that running across cover and stuff, you know, you're going to use like a buzz bait or something like that. But, um, do you have a preference like a Ned rig or, uh, you know, some type of rig like that, or is it mostly like top to shallow water stuff? Well, if I could choose any one way to catch them, be on a jig, um, probably a football jig, drag it around offshore. Um, but even in the spring, you know, I could have a, you know, a jig to flip around. It, it's just so versatile. So I, I always have one. So I guess I should say, you know, all year long, I've probably have some type of jig tied on, um, a crankbait and um, probably a Ned rig. So I've some sort of all tied here. So those would probably be my top three preferences if I've always got them tied on. So when I first discovered the net rig, I used it a lot and fish would just hammer it a couple of years ago. And now it seems like, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but maybe it's, do you ever think that the net rig is overplayed a little bit and like the fish after they get caught a couple of times on it, get wise to it or no? Oh yeah, the fish definitely get wise uh, to, to whatever we're throwing out there. Um, so that's true. I, the Ned rig, when it really became popular, about probably four or five years ago, you know, exploded. Um, same thing happened before that with uh, Whopper Plopper or Alabama rig. Um, they're still quite useful in situations, all those, but um, the fish do get you know adjusted to it. Um, so yeah. It, so that, <laughs> I guess it depends. It, they they do get smarter with it. So with that being said, is there anything else that's kind of new out there? You know, somebody's put a new spin on something that seems to be the new hot type of lure. Um, I don't think there's any really new hot lure out there. Um, really, the big advance right now has been in sonar and forward facing sonar. And really, the adaptation of the angler with that technology. Um, that's been the biggest change. That's just going to continue to um, improve fishing, but also uh, probably eventually make fishing even tougher. <laughs> so, I know nothing about that. So, can I mean, I understand like side sonar and like um, that kind of stuff, but so how did the fish you're saying fish facing or forward facing so like say you're standing forward. on the bow of your boat yes so four four or five years ago uh garmin came out with the um well they've had pan optics but live scope is what they call it and it shoots a sonar beam out in front of the bow of the boat um and it's not very wide it's only like 20 degrees wide so it's a very uh narrow section and it's live. So you cast your uh, bait out there and you reel it back. If it's in that cone, you can see it come back to you. You can see the fish there and you can see the fish move in real time. And then you can move that transducer when you move your trolling motor head. And so you can scan around and you can watch and you can pinpoint fish and pinpoint, you know, specific pieces of structure you want to try to hit. Um, so Garmin had that for the first few years. And, uh, 
Now, each of the major manufacturers, Hummingbird, Lawrence, they all have their own versions of technology. And uh, so it's become a widely adopted and um, the, the uses continue to get, uh, it's, more, it's more and more surprising the uses you can get out of it that's being demonstrated, especially on the pro circuits. That's pretty interesting. I never even knew something like that actually existed. Maybe I don't pay enough attention to the you know, newer stuff. Then again, I don't really use a lot of that stuff. A lot of the lakes I fish, smaller type strip mines, stuff like that. Good bass lakes sometimes. Um, I mean, for, you know, close to home or whatever. But honestly, my favorite thing to do is fish on the river for smallmouths. That is because they just hit and they fight and you can watch them flop (laughs) out of the water. I mean, it's not as fun as like, because something is really cool about watching a largemouth smack something and then jump up and just kind of grab it right out of the water, especially like when you get some cover on the water, like lily pads or something like that. And it, mm-hmm. it's almost like a shark attack, you know, like, yes, very, very violent, <laughs> super violent, super cool. That's exciting. So I got to say that's probably more exciting than the river, but as far as the volume or number of fish caught, you know, in a single day, if you're drifting down river or sometimes uh, a buddy of mine and, we go with a guide um that's a local guy in the area uh, and uh just have a blast because now we don't even have to worry about driving the boat he's taking care of all that for us and we're just sitting there throwing constantly you know it's all fishing all day for us with no real work involved so that's pretty cool to do that for sure (laughs) like what's what's your favorite uh type type of fish and stuff to do like that I mean, I love going to different, different lakes because uh, I've, you know, I've bass fish and fish primarily lakes, but I like going to different, different bodies of water um, just to see the variation um, and habitat and then trying to figure out that puzzle um, because bass and probably all species of fish, they've got seasonal patterns. They've gotten certain temperaments, certain things that most of them do. Um, but there's always something unique about the particular body of water they live in because it's its own own ecosystem that's in a lot of ways may not ever be connected to the lake that's five miles next door. So it's always a, a puzzle you got to try to figure out on a, a new body of water. Yeah. So speaking of that, then, like, uh, what are some of the things you are looking for as far as, uh, you know, the different features to try and hone in on the on the bass? Yes, I, you know, if I go to a new lake, uh, and I'm trying to figure out the best way to catch them. Yeah, first I'm going to look at you know the the season we're in, their seasonal pattern they should be in. It's going to be based upon the time of the year and how warm that you know water temperature is. Um, and from there, that kind of narrows me in kind of what phase the bass should be in pre-spawn, post-spawn, uh, spawn, uh, fall transition, you know, etc. Um, and then just, you got to get out, then you have to get out in the body of water, look at the water clarity and based upon that, uh, and then your contour lines on your map, try to figure out if you want to find an offshore or, or kind of bank bite. And then you just got to go graph around and try to find them or uh, you get a fish and try to figure it out and eliminate water. Yeah, no, that's, that's good advice. So seasonally, uh, as you're kind of chasing the bass, 
what are some of the things that you kind of got to um, keep keep in mind when trying to target them different times of the year? So um, in the wintertime, they're usually you know, out, out in deeper water or off the banks, um, kind of grouped up together a lot of times. Um, when the daylight gets long enough slash the water gets warm enough, those fish are going to move to the bank. And that's, to be honest, this, this movement phase can sometimes be difficult and it's sometimes difficult for, for me to figure out. So they left their winter locations. Where are they at on their migration? What type of points or structures and how far back and how much did they move? Um, and so it's a little frustrating trying to find them again. But once you find them, of course, you can get bit all the time. So it's just trying to trying to follow their movement um, to the bank. Um, some bodies of water that they can go from out deep to on the bank seems like almost overnight. And in other bodies, it may take you know a few weeks for that. Yeah. So um, when when uh, when you're on the bank, I mean, are you looking? I guess it depends on the time of the day, right? for you know the different refraction of the light coming in and and uh what type of cover to try and try and find them under yeah i mean time of day can play a huge role um you know under low light conditions those bass are more apt to uh, roam around outside that cover chasing bait uh or more apt to go out and chase you know when you're when you're moving bait comes by um if the sun comes up under you know so they can hide, you know, tight to that cover, be snugged up against it. It's windy, you know, and sunny. They could be out moving more specifically if it's windy, you know, and cloudy. You know, they could be moving it. So, I mean, there's so many factors involved. But that's kind of the general, too, too general, you know, ways to look at it. So I got to ask you something. Uh, you, you mentioned earlier that your dad's a better hunter than you. So, uh, <laughs> yes. Do you, uh, do you hunt often and what, what do you kind of pursue? No, so, 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 uh, I try to go every, every deer season, go back to my parents' uh, farm in Missouri and go, um, I haven't, you know, same thing growing up, you know, we didn't always get the opportunity to hunt based upon what, what my dad, dad was doing at the time, but it just seems like every time he, he goes out, it's like first morning and just, comes walks right in front of him and it goes down um uh, me it's always been a much more of a struggle <laughs> uh to, to to harvest my deer but um um that's kind of where that comes from but but when it comes to fishing he can't you know if he listens to this he he, he can't really uh bait cast a bait caster so it <laughs> makes it kind of difficult you know i am not the best bait caster in the world either uh and I think in the past it was mostly because I had cheaper bait casters and uh, I just could never figure them out. And I'm sure nowadays they've got uh, stuff that's so easy to cast. You don't even have to probably put your finger on the spool or, you know, let it glide over it anymore like mm -hmm. you used to because I could never figure out that pressure. And I'd end up with a bird's nest almost every time and couldn't set the backlash just right to where it wouldn't wouldn't do that is there anything out there that is pretty much dummy proof these days to where you could uh could probably cast one and not have to worry about it <laughs> uh no there's, there's nothing <laughs> dummy proof one 
I mean, I've even got, you know, the Shimano, like Mitanium DC, and I still backlash it, <laughs> you know? So, uh, and that, that digital spool is supposed to help prevent that. So, you no, know, they can all backlash. Uh, if You know, you don't have them set right. That's just, it just takes practice trying to, you know, get used to it. Um, I mean, spinning reels, they catch fish too. Um, uh, but most of you know, bass singers eventually go over just to some of the advantages of bait casters eventually once you uh, get practice using them. So what's the advantages of a bait caster versus a spin caster then? Yeah, so a lot of it comes down to ergonomics. So that um, that reel is right on that rod. So you can, you know, you can put your palm over it. You can hold it. It uh, helps, you know, that weight on there helps balance a little bit better with the rod. Um, and, of course, in that line uh, from the from – the, um, from the spool to the first guy, there's less of a distance between that and the rod. So it just helps to be more accurate. So, um, bait caches are usually more accurate. Uh, you can, uh, are, can be more efficient with them. You can, uh, fish faster with them, make more casts in the same amount of time, you know? So those are the, a lot of the advantage of, uh, using a bait caster. So, okay. I got to ask you this then, because if I choose to go down the road of bait caster, what the heck should I get then that would, uh, <laughs> um, I, I get that asked that question a lot. It all comes down to budget. Um, uh, what you want to spend, uh, cause you can go absolutely crazy, uh, on these things. Um, or you can go like a $20, you know, Walmart special. Uh, and the, the, the range is huge. Uh, I would say, Pretty much all the major brands, the, the Lose, the Shimano's, uh, the Ad Boozy around that hundred dollar, hundred dollar price point, they're all very good, and they're very, very similar uh, in quality. So I think it's the Revo um, for Abu. I think it's the SOX for Shimano that the Lose Speeds Bull. So they're they're all good, um, good options, and they're. Uh, they're, I mean, I still use a couple of them today, so they're definitely, um, they can last a long time. So if you wanted to go into like the mid grade, uh, type of, uh, you know, bait caster, what would your, the top number one or big best choice be? <laughs> so I guess I, I would call, what would a mid grade be price or like, I don't know, you know, like three hundred, maybe four hundred or something, three hundred up to up to three or four hundred. Um, you know, for that, um, I guess a couple I would go with. I mean that so that Shimano Titanium I have that's the one one of the ones I bought um, uh, straight from Japan. That was that was three hundred. Um, so that's probably the best one to go for at that price. Um, cause that same reel in the States is typically like 420. And again, the, the real difference is it holds 10 yards more line. So no real um, difference. <laughs> no, but that, 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 that real, it's probably, it's my favorite reel for sure. Um, but below that, you know, the Corrado's are good from Shimano. Um, the BB one pros are pretty good from lose. Um, so I mean, those are all pretty good options. I would probably gravitate towards. Yeah, no, that's all good information because maybe I'll have to switch over and try and 
practice and actually use a bait caster. I mean, I've got like one or two. I don't even know what the heck they are, and I rarely use them. They're not in, uh, let's just say they're not in my truck at all times like some of the other <laughs> rods are, uh, for sure. <laughs> no, I get it. Yeah. Um, so I got to ask you, though, what uh, is there any big plans for one cast or anything like that coming up in uh, in the future? Any new stuff you're going to be releasing or anything like that? Yes. So um, we're going to be releasing, or we hope to be releasing, if all goes as planned, and we can uh, um, keep the path going, as um, uh, new jigs at ICAST. So we're going down to ICAST. We'll have a booth down there, and we're launching um, – some new jigs uh, that are unique. There's nothing quite like them on the market. So um, that's really that's a teaser I could say right now. <laughs> <laughs> I've been uh, out out the last few days um, casting a bunch of these up. So and uh, we've been fishing around here um, quite a bit with them. So uh, they're working. Excited to release them. So it should uh, should be should be uh, everyone should, I think should enjoy it. Okay, so you're going to release some new jigs at one cast. Is there anything like right now that's going to be released, or is that like the big the big teaser? And then when is that? ICAST is in June. ICAST is in July. Okay. Um. So that's the only. Th- so that's the big push right now. Um. Because we want to have a bunch of these made up when we're not, you know, when we release them. So we have plenty in stock to, uh, hopefully, right. That the big goal is that it's a big hit and. Uh, everyone's going to be using one cast jigs in the future. <laughs> cool. Uh, so, so that's the, so that's the big push. Um, and then we, then I get some plans, hopefully the following year to um, a couple other products come out as well um, based upon this line. So that's, that's where all our efforts are right now. No, that's cool. That's definitely cool to, you know, see that you got kind of a long-term vision there for that. Um, so I got to ask you, uh, you know, if somebody wants to buy your jigs and stuff like that, where would they go to find all that kind of stuff? Yes, yeah, so this is the easiest. Is just to uh, Google one cast fishing or uh, one uh, onecastfishing.com. That takes you to the website. All our you know products are there. Uh, if you're also on Instagram, if you go to one cast fishing, um, you can go to our shop on Instagram. Um, uh, same on Facebook as well. Shop through there, and I think on TikTok it's on. Uh, there's a shop on TikTok too that um, under our page. So, kind of versatile from from whatever platform you want to use. Can you like? Is it Google? Can you Google it and find it? Or yeah, if you Google one cast fishing, it'll be the first one or should be the first one that pops up. Okay, and uh, so if they just want to find you and some of your cool content and all the fun stuff you've done, where would they find you? Same. TikTok, Instagram, <laughs> YouTube, Facebook. It's all the same. Just one cast fishing. It's all, I think all the tags are the same across the board. No, that's pretty cool. Thanks for uh, coming on and, and uh, sharing, Ben. It's been fun. And uh, thanks for the advice. I'm going to look into that a little bit more and kind of excited to see those <laughs> new jigs come out. Well, I appreciate it. I definitely enjoyed the conversation. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Publicly Challenged podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to. Also, if you could leave a review, that would help us out. And you can check us out on Instagram or at publiclychallenged.com. And once again, thank you so much for listening to the show.
miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. Four in the morning. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners. Every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky. 